Welcome to Hope Found. This is a podcast about doing life with God. I found hope in the one and only true God through my salvation in Jesus. And I want to share my journey with God via the scriptures and personal interactions. Many of the podcasts will have a study of scriptures and others will contain interviews with other people and their stories finding hope in God. Hi, and welcome back. I'm Hope, and my husband John is here today also. Hi. Today and the next few podcasts are going to be an invitation to an abundant life. I know I want an abundant life, and my guess is you probably do too. John 10.10 says, this is Jesus speaking, that the thief, who is our enemy, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, that's Jesus, have come to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. So I was thinking today about how many times I've been really, really thirsty. Um, I can, you know, here it gets kind of really, really hot outside and very dry. And, you know, you get to working outside in the yard or whatever. I mean, sometimes it's just going outside. And the only thing you can think about is just getting in and getting that nice cold glass of water and just chugging it all the way down. Uh, can you think of a time that you've been that thirsty, John? Yeah, I think it was actually when I woke up this morning. I couldn't wait to jump out of bed and get a drink. It was like I was eating cotton all night or something like that. Mm, that sounds wonderful. Oh, it was. I feel like that sometimes after eating pizza or something kind of salty. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just chug that whole glass of water. Yeah. So today I want to tell you a story about a lady who was thirsty. And unfortunately, she didn't have any indoor plumbing, so she had to actually walk all the way outside her town to a well to get water. And this story, she was walking out in the middle of the day. It was noon. It was the hottest time of the day. And usually people there would go early in the morning or late in the evening where it was a little cooler, the sun was lower, um, but she chose to go in the middle of the day. Now, possibly it's because she lived a life that probably most of those people didn't necessarily approve of, and uh, maybe she felt a little bit of shame, but so she decided to go middle of the day when there wasn't very many people there. But lo and behold, she gets there and there's a man sitting there. And he says, give me a drink. And she says, what? Basically because the place where he came from, those people don't really like her people. And most of the time they wouldn't even talk to them or look at them or even be by them, let alone ask for a drink. So she was very, very confused. So, of course, this man, he was Jesus. And in John 4.10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So she's wondering and she says, Well, how in the world are you going to give me living water? What water? You have nothing to draw out of this deep well. Well, then he answers her in John four thirteen through 15. Jesus answered her and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water 
will thirst again. And whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I won't have to come here to draw water. And Jesus's response was, okay, go get your husband. To which she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. And then proceeds to tell her her past and present situation, things that she was probably ashamed of, which is why she came at noon. So she realizes you must be a prophet. And then she has a question for him. She says, your people say we should worship here. And our people said we should worship there. So what's the real answer? And he answers her in John 4, 23 and 24. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know, I know that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain all of these things to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one you speak to, I am he. So I love this passage for so many different reasons. And it truly gives me hope when I see this interaction that Jesus has with this woman. He not only spoke to her, but he answered her questions. And in offering her the living water, actually is offering her a relationship with him. And then to top it off, he revealed himself as the Messiah to her. I mean, God knows who we are. He knows the things that we are not proud of, the things that we possibly still regret. And yet he still extends the living water to us. He extends his relationship to us and he will reveal himself to us. We just need to receive it. So clearly this water was more than just naturally thirsty because as soon as he offers anything more than that, she's all about it. And it's just such a beautiful picture. There are several different verses in the Bible that refer to um, being thirsty and how God provides that water for us. So I'm just going to read through them, starting with Isaiah 43, 20. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Isaiah 55, 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. John 6, 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Revelation 21, 6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. 
Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. John seven thirty seven through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, clearly, Jesus gives us the living water. Um, and I, I bet there's probably even more scriptures than that. <laughs> but just, just to show you that um, this is something that is throughout the Old Testament and New Testament about how he is the giver of living water. And he is more than happy, more than joyful to give us the living water uh, if we're thirsty. And uh, I believe that we're all thirsty. Just sometimes it might take some people a little longer to realize it. So Jesus gives us the living water. And the living water is the Holy Spirit. Many times in scripture, the water is referred to as the spirit, just like in that last scripture verse in John 7, how Jesus talks about how uh, he was, he clearly records, John records that he's speaking concerning the spirit. I mean, it's very obvious that the living water is the Holy Spirit. So if you're thirsty, Jesus will give you the living water, who is the Holy Spirit, and you will never thirst again. So he speaks of this fountain, and this fountain will be bubbling up and will never thirst again. So this is not a one-time-and-done situation. It kind of, you can kind of take it that way that, you know, we're, we're thirsty, and he gives us this living water, and it becomes a fountain, and it should be bubbling up, and we're good. But it's not. The Holy Spirit is not a one-time-and-done. It is an ongoing thing. So let's read a few more scriptures because we want to know where exactly does this living water come from? Um, yes, it's given by Jesus, but where does it come from? And how do we receive the living water? Revelation 22, 1 and 2. This is where God is revealing himself, is giving revelation to John, uh, who was one of Jesus' disciples. He says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. That's Jesus. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And then in Ezekiel 47, 1 and 2, this is where God is revealing uh, revealing to Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel records, then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me 
out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. So, John, after reading these two scriptures, what are the similarities that you see in them? Well, they both uh, are giving, uh, they're both giving a, an example of water coming from the throne or coming from the temple. So they're both um, giving that same, like, where, it, where its source comes from. Um, and, and they're both uh, symbolizing water. Well, I'm saying symbolizing. I mean, obviously, these are both prophetic words that are written uh, from Ezekiel and uh, by John in Revelation. Um, so this could be actual, uh, I guess, and it could be symbolic. And, and I guess we'll know uh, someday. <laughs> right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that they're both just kind of saying the same thing, uh, just talking about it from the perspective of, uh, utilizing the temple, but then uh, talking about it like the throne of God in the new, in the new creation. Right, right. I completely agree with that. Um, so uh, you know, it's pretty obvious that the throne of God and of the Lamb Jesus, that's where they would sit. That's where they would be. And then the temple is where they would go to worship, and the Ark of the Covenant would be there, and that is where God's presence rested. So both of these places are very, very obviously referring to God's presence. So when talking about God's presence and we receive this water, this river of life, water of life, all the same from God's presence. So what does that look like? Well, God's everywhere all the time. But it is very important for us to take time to spend time specifically in his presence, being focused, focused quality time in God's presence. And worship is a huge part to do with that, which can't help but to draw me back to the question that the woman had. She didn't, I don't even think she knew what she was asking He's talking about the living water and she's thinking about natural water and then says, oh, well, you must be a prophet. Let me ask you about worship. So where in the world did that question come from? Right? Right. They weren't even talking about that. They're talking about water. So uh, I think maybe God was doing something there. <laughs> I think maybe, you know, she was already hungry to know about God and worshiping him. And, you know, because I always kind of thought that this question seems really out of place, but it probably was very intentional. He's talking about this living water that he gives to the people who are thirsty. Well, where does that come from? I believe it comes in, very, in the quality time that we spend with God, and a lot of it should be worship. Now, we can worship in any number of different ways. We spend our time, our money, um, you know, serving people. There's lots of different ways to worship. I'm talking specifically about worshiping God, spending time in his presence and thanking him for the things that he's done, praising him for who he is and worshiping him for who he is to us. It's the, that quality time. We, it's so important we need to spend with him, and that is where we will get 
the living water. Another part of it is being aware of his presence. Yes, God is everywhere all the time. However, in these moments, when we are having this quality time with him, we might not feel it, and we might, either way, but just knowing and being aware that he is right there. He promises us so many times in his word, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always with us. We need to take the time to sit while we're focusing and worshiping on him to realize that he is right there. He is right by your side. He is right in front of you, looking at you, being aware of that presence and also giving him your attention, turning your attention toward him in these moments, not just thinking about the list of things that I'm going to ask him, but just spending that time with him. Um, I heard it a long time ago, you know, he gave us one mouth and two ears. So maybe we need to be listening twice as much, if not more than talking. So I just encourage you, I encourage you to do that in your time with him and to make those focused times with him. And this is not one of those things where there's the pressure and I didn't do it and you feel so bad. Don't, don't even try to go down that road, that road. It's just not worth it. It's for our good. (laughs) It's for our good. And this living water, he promises us this fountain that will bubble up, but it is not a one time and done. It comes from our relationship with him. We need this every day. Every day we need his living water and he will continue to bubble it up within us, the Holy Spirit, but we need it every day. It is very, very important. So I would like to go back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 47, 3 through 6 says, And when the man went out to the east, and we're still looking at the river, he had just presented this water that was coming out from the temple. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters. The water came to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross. The water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. So there's many different things that we can gather from this passage. Um, One thing is that there's always more. There is always, always, always more of God. We can be in a place where we are so overwhelmed with him and so amazed and yet next time it's more. <laughs> There's always more. It's, it, it, I don't, unless you experience it, I, you know, that in itself brings me such great hope that there is so much more to him always. Um, but I really would like to talk about how this is a picture. So in the natural, if I go into the ocean or into a river and it's up to my ankles, um, no big deal right? My feet are getting wet. Maybe the edge of my pants might be getting wet. No big deal. Um, I have full control. 
nothing's going to be knocking me over. It's it's all good. It might be a little refreshing, you know, especially if we had a nice cool stream, nice cool river. Uh, no big deal. But going out to my knees, okay. We, we feel a little bit of that movement of that river going by, and it's really nice. But I'm still, you know, my feet are pretty solid. They're they're planted pretty well. So, you know, not too much to uh, to worry about. Um, bringing me out to my waist, okay. I can really start to feel the movement. It's definitely moving me. I still have my footing, but it's definitely moving me. I don't have nearly as much control as what I did when it was only out to my ankles. But then when you get to the place where there is no place to put your foot down, it's way too deep. In fact, you need to swim. And remember, it's a river. So it's got an incredible current that's going. And it's impossible to get to the other side, even trying with swimming. So I want to present this to you as a picture of us choosing to surrender and give up control and trusting. So again, we have control when it's at our ankles and our knees and even our waist, but God is desiring for us to completely submit. Um, I believe there's a reason why he kind of does those stages because he knows us. He knows us better than any person. And he knows that in any given situation, we have to do it gradually. We have to give up control. We have to choose to submit. And we need to do it gradually because a lot of times it's really hard to do all at once. And it seems like there's no way. But ultimately, in our relationship with him, we do need to submit. We need to fully submit and give him everything, giving up complete control. And that is where we would be where there's no footing, where the, we're floating, floating along, we're being taken away by the current, and that's complete trust. That's what 100% trust in him looks like. And even though it seems like that's the scariest moment, because we have no control, we have no footing, we don't know what's coming, we don't know what it's going to look like. But once you get to that point and you have completely submitted and completely trust in him, it is the most beautiful place to be. I know it sounds incredibly insane, but it really is. Because when we truly give him everything, when we truly submit to everything to him and completely trust him, it is the most beautiful, comforting place that we could be, even though we're completely out of control and in his control. Um, and this is something that that happens not just once. We can't just go through this once and, oh, we're good, just like the the receiving of the living water. It's not just a one and done. It's, it's an ongoing thing because there's always going to be something else around the corner, unfortunately. Here on earth, there's always going to be something. And so in each situation, we might just have to start ankles, knees, waist, until we completely submit all of it to him. And, you know, there's much of this life that we can do in our own control. You know, I really want this job and I'm going to claw and, and do whatever I can do to make this happen because this is what I want. Yeah, you could do that. But from experience, I can tell you, giving it all to him, it turns out so much better than what you think than what you could have ever done. 
And so I encourage you to do that, um, to just give it all to him and uh, truly, truly trust him. So I hope that this has brought you some, some great hope today. And I look forward to next time sharing the next part of the story. Um, I'm not even going to give it away. So uh, I hope that you do join us. And uh, until next time, continue putting your hope in the one and only true God. Thank you.